welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. and welcome to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I'm here with an author whose work I have read um, a couple of volumes of, a few, two, three, I think at this point, and I'm so interested in the connections between them and all the unique things they do. So let's get into it. Uh, Hello, could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Yeah, hi. So my name's Luke Gracias. I've got my third book out, which is called uh, Dog Boy We Catfish. And um, this is um, completely different from my other two books. By profession, I am an environmental specialist. I have been working in the field for almost 30 years now. And that would probably be my number one passion uh, with writing coming a close second. <laughs> That's so interesting. And I'm so glad to uh, talk about your work and how all these things connect. So, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, how you got it started, uh, how you got started writing and uh, what your journey to this book was like. As I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an environmental engineer by profession and we're all learning and finding a way to save our world. For this to happen, we need everybody to be on board. And the best way to get everyone on board is through stories. Mm. Film is a wonderful media to tell stories. And I ventured into the film industry. My first success was bringing a large Bollywood film to be shot in Australia. It inspired me to get into script writing. And from there, I wrote a script called The Devil's Prayer. When the film funding went fell through, I decided it was best to convert this film strip, uh, script into a novel. And the novel um, won the um, Best Australian Horror Novel 2016 and the Shadow Awards finalist. Um, yeah, and from there I went to my second book, which was No Shadow Without Light. It is a sequel. I wrote it during COVID. It was a depressing, lonely time. And writing gave me a reason to get out of bed. Suddenly, I had all these characters in my mind. I was plotting their journey. I was alive again, living through vicariously through their adventures. And then in January this year, for the first time, I had no work and there was nothing on the horizon. It was absolutely eerie. I had never experienced something like this before, but I remembered how writing had got me out of bed. And I decided to write Dog Boy v. Catfish about divorce laws and male suicide. As you know, in the author's note, or you may know in the author's note, I wrote about a late night phone call, which inspired this latest book. And we will talk about that later in this episode. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And I still love, as a little side point, that so many authors I talk to are still talking about projects that they wrote either during or immediately after the pandemic. And it was such a hard time for the world. And I feel like it made a lot of people write very personal works or very challenging works, you know, and I, 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 that's such a, there's not a lot of bright sides to that whole situation, but I think we are, you know, we've gotten a lot of like very interesting creative works out of it in some ways. (laughs) Um, So as you have said, you've worked in another 
a couple other spaces. Um, you've mentioned your environmental work and in the film industry. Uh, your website or um, another interview I read also says that you're an avid photographer. And I'm wondering, um, have these experiences shaped your interests as a writer and uh, how you approach your work? And do you think they give you any interesting or unique strategies in your writing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I got into writing, as I said earlier, because I ventured into film. And if there was one book which terrified me as a teenager, it was The Omen. Hmm. And if there was one book that I wish I had written, it was The Da Vinci Code. I decided to write a Da Vinci Code of The Omen. This was my first project, and that was The Devil's Prayer. And I spent time finding and taking photographs of obscure and unexplained locations, architecture, artifacts, and history from around the world. For example, the Devil's Bible is a real book. It's the largest medieval manuscript. It exists in the National Library of Sweden. And it has 12 missing pages that are rumored to contain the Devil's Prayer, which is the basis of my first book. My second book, No Shadow Without Light, is a sequel. And in the late 80s, as you said, with COVID, it inspired us to do some things that were these really off the charts things. In the late 80s, Gro Brundtland, the then, uh, the then prime minister of Norway, pulled all the brains together of the planet to chart, take a stock take of what we had and plan the way forward, chart the way forward. The results of this stock take were compiled in a book called Our Common Future. And this book inspired my career. And I decided to write the second book during COVID of a second stock take of our planet today and what we would leave for the next generations in 2050. Telling such a dire tale with facts and figures was never going to be easy, but it had to be said. And I decided to write historical fiction to tell a scientific story. No Shadow Without Light has not been a commercial success, but it is in the Vatican libraries. Um, telling, uh, you know, that my last book, Dog, Dog Boy with Catfish was something I wanted to write about, about how entitlement has changed the world we live in today, about how truth and trust are casualty when someone is willing to win at any cost, and about how it has impacted relationships and the values we hold dear today. Mm. Yeah, what I really love about all of that is that um, you know, we've mentioned that you've written across so many genres, a lot of which you've just mentioned, but you see those same interests popping up again. So there's a lot of like thematic coherence, I think, about the modern world that you put into all these different genres. And um, I'm wondering, like, what types of stories or characters in particular um, do you find yourself drawn to writing? Do you find yourself drawn to particular types of characters or personalities that you like to explore these ideas through? Um, it's actually the types of stories. And I think that, you know, I mean, conflict drives a story and there's certain things that are conflicting in our lives today. My first book, as I said earlier, was aimed to be a Da Vinci Code version of The Omen. And The Devil's Prayer is all about the coming of the Antichrist and Armageddon and all the texts in the world, religious texts, the signs, etc., are all there. I mean, if there is no Armageddon, then there is no thing to pay religions to protect you from it or whatever. And my first book was horror and historical fiction and had a lot of graphic rape and things and was not suitable for readers under 18. I changed genre in my second book, even though it was a sequel. 
because I wanted it, it's about environment. And mm -hmm. I wanted to reach a broader and wider audience and didn't want to have that restriction of R18+. plus. Mm. My second book is about the environmental crisis we face. The missing pages of the Devil's Prayer contain uh, apocalyptic texts, which are needed by the Antichrist to bring about Armageddon. And it actually has each, each of the pages has one of the tools of survival that we are today destroying future generations, you know, for uh, and things like that. And so these are the tools we are progressively destroying. And I chose to write the second book as historical fiction with very little horror because I wanted to get into the year 12, the year 11 students and stuff like that. So this book has also been, you know, wanted it to be more accessible to a global audience. It became, as I said, uh, it was um, in India, Crossword is the largest book chain, which controls about 70%. It was Crossword Book of the Month for two years, two months running. Mm -hmm. And then to add to that, um, as I said, it got pulled in because there was a wonderful painting of uh, the Stefaniaki triptych, which is in the Pinacoteca Vaticana that I wanted a picture of. I wrote to the Vatican asking to put pictures in this book along with my, my photographs for a change. And the Vatican wrote back and said, oh, because I wrote what my book was about. And I talked about it in the form of Noah's Ark mm -hmm. and talked about the fact that if Noah had decided to take four elephants, he'd have to throw out the tigers or the lions or something. And today we have modified this arc called planet Earth to put 8 billion people on it at the cost of every other species. And I said, look, this is what my book's about. And so the Vatican wrote back and said, we do charge, but the charge is going to be, you're going to have to get, give us three copies to put in our libraries. And I thought, oh, that's a good place to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was, it was very, very, it was very good. And uh, yeah. And of course my third book, Dog Boy Week Catfish is a crime thriller. Mm -hmm. It's about social issues, male suicide, separation and entitlement. If there's one common thread in my books, they all have female protagonists. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, the first two books, the female protagonists are the leads. And in the last one, Catfish, the nemesis. <laughs> I do find that so fascinating. And I do love that, you know, across these genres, yes, you do see some of these commonalities. And I think uh, another thing that I see is... Um, you know, to different degrees in them is about like feelings of isolation sometimes in a very global world. Like it's always very aware of the wider world and sort of like the place of the individual and kind of like exploring that. So that's something I find really interesting too. Do you mind if I ask you to speak on that a little bit? <laughs> Sorry, you need to repeat the question. Oh, sure. Um, do you find yourself drawn to talking about, um, you know, people in a global world, you know, in that sort of wider framework, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of um, uh, questioning about what what is the per what is a person supposed to do in this mo very modern hyper connected world? Does that make sense? <laughs> it does, and I think we are we are getting more and more time for each day because there is more and more asked of us. Mm -hmm. even though there are more of us and the competition is getting fiercer and fiercer. It's, um, you know, I, I always say this is we grew up in simple times and I think my parents grew up in even simpler times. It's uh, it, it, we are a very polarized world today. We have got, uh, you know, and all everything has got uh, is only popular if it's polarized. Mm -hmm. If it's not, it doesn't. And so writing has to be there where you're going to get you know, some people who love your book and others who hate it. And that's just 
I think the best thing as a writer you look at today is not the one stars, it's the three stars or the worst right in the middle. <laughs> if you've got a one and a five, you're probably doing all right because if someone loves your book, the balance of life is such that someone has to hate it. Yes, I agree. It's, 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 it's a polarized world today, unfortunately. That's where we're in. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, your books do a very good job of sort of exploring the problems created. I think, by that polarized world sometimes. And that's something I'm very interested in. Um, so let's move to uh, your newest book. Uh, can you tell our listeners who are Dog Boy and Catfish? <laughs> so at the end of the book, in the author's note, I write about an, an incident which inspired Dog Boy the Catfish. It was about 2 a.m. called July night. So we are in the Southern Hemisphere, as you know, and July is our winter. And I had turned off, I'm a night owl, I turned off my computer and I was about to shut down for the night and my phone rang. And I answered it expecting to hear the rustle of a pocket dial. As you do, two in the morning, the voice at the end of the line was devoid of all good. It was not someone I knew really well, not a very close friend. My mate was standing at the Gap in Sydney, Australia. This is Australia's most famous suicide location. And he had been through a messy divorce and his ex-wife had taken him to the cleaners. He had brought up her kids as his own, and now he was liable for their upkeep till they turned 18. She had even cleaned out his inheritance before she decided to leave. He was about to jump. He called to say goodbye, and all I could think of was to say, let's do this properly, let's have a drink. That's always going to be there. You can go back and jump another day. Dog boy did not jump. We never spoke of that incident again. The truth is suicide never hurts the person or injustice which led you to its precipice. It devastates those who would have benefited from your ongoing presence in their lives. Mm -hmm. And Dog Boy is not one person, but the many males who have considered suicide, especially after a failed relationship. Seven out of nine suicides in Australia are men. Seven. Right? As for Catfish, you have all met her. Or him or him. <laughs> Dog boy is naturally a giver and catfish is a taker and that is why they're always drawn to each other. You will always find the nicest women with the worst men and the nicest men with the worst women. This is because of this giving taking relationship that occurs because if someone is willing to give there is always someone who will be happy to be manipulative and take. Mm -hmm. If there is one word to describe catfish it is entitled in the novel, Catfish shared the ability to communicate with dogs, which might perhaps tell some readers that she once grew up with the soul of a dog. Mm -hmm. However, some of life experiences made her bitter and manipulative. And that's the sad story of a lot of people. They change mm -hmm. with life. So that's about Dog Boy and Catfish. <laughs> it's such an interesting um story and the characters are so interesting and they're dynamic um and something that you do very well here is you balance that character work with a plot that is very riveting and has a really great pace that keeps you reading so how do you approach um balancing character and plot when you are planning your story so it's actually all my stories are plot driven like I, I started with the premise that I said to you earlier, which was Da Vinci Code version of The Omen, you know, our common future re rewritten in 2050. 
you know, to 2050, the second book. This one was, again, plot-driven. And the fact of the matter is that the key with Dog Boy is that a missing person has more rights than someone who's alive. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, in my stories are plot-driven. So each character has to have a goal to meet that plot. They're very clear goals. And once you have these clear goals in the character, then you know who the person's going to be. Mm-hmm. So now that you've got this person and they've got that, uh, these goals. So, for example, Dog Boy is a nerd, a financial wizard who's awkward around women. And the first person I thought of, and it's in the book, is uh, his friends describe him. He's like Chandler Bing from the sitcom Prince. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of thing. And it, 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 it's then you've got this character to build around. Mm-hmm. In my debut novel, Denise Russo is a single mother and she will do anything to protect her children. Now, all her decisions are made based on that one overarching goal to protect her children. And then everything is justified. Whether she kills people, she brutally murders them. If it's to protect her kids, it's justified. And then the reader thinks, so when I write, I actually get into the character of each person on the page and think about what they would do to achieve these goals. Because if you write a complex story, you have to have characters that have got very straight lines. Or otherwise, the reader gets very confused and your story slows down. I mean, conflict drives the story. So as long as you've got that conflict and you know the conflict and you know that the character is going to do to overcome that conflict because of their goals, if you make their, their wishy-washy, you can't you, you, you confuse your readers and slow the story. So it is actually quite a simple process for me. As I just look, okay, they, they can't be multi-layered and indecisive. Yeah. That's so interesting because I think I've always thought of a person's goals as coming from their personality, but then those goals can also change you, I think, as you do more things to achieve them and do things that you might not have done in the past. And so I think it's a very good storytelling technique that you use here. Um, It's also a crime story. Well, we've already talked about some elements of the crime in there. But what I love about um, crime fiction is that it gives you a really deep dive into a subculture, into a very secretive, complicated little corner of the underworld. And I love that we get to do that here um, by exploring the illegal counterfeit industry, which is like a portion of things going on here. So can you talk about what drew you to that? And um, did you do a lot of research to explore that world? Or like, I guess, how do you prepare to write about a world like that, that people might not know a lot about? I knew very little about it too when I started. I knew there were huge markups in the design of good industry. But when I came across handbags, ladies' handbags like the Hermes Birkin, which sold for over $200,000, This made me stop and think, $200,000 plus, right? The fact that blew me away the most was that the fake designer good market has actually got more value than the entire exports of Australia. More than all our iron ore, all our coal, all our gas, all the gold, all the tourism, all the agriculture. And when I looked at that, I knew there was the making of a really good story. And then the research was basically all based about making sure that if someone checked on the plot, it could be authenticated, lock, stock and barrel. Mm-hmm. So then you go down the whole route of going through the police files, you go through kind of things that what are procedures, you start finding about in agencies like React, you start finding about, you know, these fake designer good markets, which I never I never knew existed, that 
a Tag Heuer empty box can cost $250. And with the receipt, it's $500. And you go, surely that's a red flag. But <laughs> that's that's what it is. You know, and so the book talks about these things that have become so central and valuable, but yet not really valuable in this whole thing. Mm. So that's that's where I, I got it from. Yeah. Interesting. And it plays into, I think, a lot of the themes of um, entitlement in the book in a lot of ways, you know, because I think another thing that I see happening is like people wanting things that aren't theirs and wanting to live a life that they don't, you know, currently live that is not theirs and being willing to do things to get what they want, you know, even if they're not fully legal. Um, I loved this story so much and it was so fascinating. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what's next for you? Do you see yourself working in this genre again or are you going to switch things up? <laughs> Film or TV series. I think Dog Boy v. Catfish would make a fantastic film. Yes. Right? It, it's a, it's a, it's got all the it's got all the pitch points that you got. You know, you got the inciting incidents, you've got um, you know, you've got a second act and it's actually written in three books, so you've actually got the three acts in there. Um it is and, and if you come to the end of second act when when catfish basically wins and all is lost. It is exactly the end of the second act. It's it's written as a film script. Mm. The Devil's Prayer and No Shadow Without Light would make a phenomenal TV series. I mean, it is it is across the most fascinating locations around the world that we have never been able to explain. I mean, the the back story, the very first line in No Shadow Without Light at the back is on the sixth of June, two thousand and six, the world population crossed six point six six billion, and that is a fact. The triple six of the devil, things like that. And, you know, there were there were other things like, you know, Timor's grave and Timor's curse. And um, there's just one fact after the other that we just haven't been able to explain. You know, the Operation Barbarossa, where uh, Hitler goes into um, into um, uh, into Russia on the day when they opened up Timor's grave and Barbarossa's red beard, which is basically what they found out on that day that Timor was redhead with the red beard. Mm. Timor. I think Timberlane, whatever. So things like that. It had the, it has these fascinating locations, fascinating, you know, uh, plot. But it's a big budget film. I also have a rom com which I have written. Um, it was actually my first piece of work, and was called "Haven't Met You Yet." And last week, um, the um, Indian government and Australian government signed a co-production treaty. And I'm thinking very strongly about pitching this as a, I love the 80s music. I'm telling you my age with that. But uh, it's uh, I plan to pitch it um, to a music artist to release as a film and then an album of 80s covers. And what's next for me, of course, my first love is environment, my environmental work. I'm doing some of the most fascinating. I have a dream job. I am working with algae to biofuels. I'm working with decarbonization. We're working with things like that. And I just hope I can win a few battles before, you know, time runs out. And then, of course, I'll be compelled to write again. Another <laughs> book, maybe another script. Who knows? That's what the future holds. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So that's so exciting to hear. I I agree with you. I think, um, yeah, these works would make great films and TV shows, respectively. Um, and yeah, I love the idea of this rom-com. And so, yeah, good luck. And I hope it all happens. And if you ever want to come back to the show to talk about any other work, you're always welcome back. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
All right. Listeners, now it is your turn. Uh, please go check out Dog Boy v. Catfish. It is an absolutely riveting novel. I could not put it down. And yeah, in your head, just imagine like the great, great movie it would make. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.